Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast at Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has never felt more like a T SIP than all these country club championships. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Pinky out, baby. You know, Texas just uh, excels in the country club, and I don't think we should shy away from that. We, we, we win occasional national championships in football and, and in the sweatier sports of basketball and and uh, and such but you, you really excel you know the the tennis golf swimming country club uh, i think rowing should qualify as a ivy league country club sport i don't know if, if your country club has a rowing uh team but uh uh it should because it is it feels very majestic and we are if nothing a majestic school i mean that's that's the crazy thing there was a a random tech account that was like, I can't believe Texas calls themselves a national power, but they're not on this list of people that made the three men's sports postseasons uh, this year. And I'm like, well, Texas made two of the three, one. And also, Texas has won more national championships in the last two weeks than Tech has in its entirety of its existence, as far as the NCAA goes. Like, if you want to count meat judging, you've got us beat there, buddy. No, no, no. I was going to say, Gerald, it's just the man trying to keep the, the meat judging down because Tech is good at, at both judging and peeping. Um, and they are they are world-renowned. Uh, but, you know, the man doesn't want to count those. So, uh, so yeah, just, you know, uh, I, I, I may... Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it in our Thursday show, but I may I may have a couple notes for tech fans to tune in this week. You know, housing prices are out of control nowadays, but there are two places that it's always free to live, and that's in your lane and out of my business. Keep my name out <laughs> your mouth. We're not here to talk about salty peeping. We're here to talk about Texas in the baseball tournament and just kind of like. We, we usually would do a, a hold down the 40 with all this stuff, but there's a national championship roundup that we have to do mm-hmm. this week. So we've got some individual and some team national championships to talk about. There is down the 40 because Texas is still in the running for more national championships and not one, not two, not three, but four different fields of competition. We'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. Got some fun stuff to talk about this week, but we'll start with the baseball on the diamond. The Longhorns made a run in the big 12 tournament falling short in the title game as a five seed made it all the way to the final game. They lost to the Oklahoma Sooners eight to one. And I'm not going to say that, uh, Texas wasn't trying as hard. Let's just say it like this. But when you don't throw the ace out there in the championship game, it seems like you made a different decision. You made a you made a long-term decision rather than a short-term decision. Uh, and you know what? Oh, you got the win, but uh, Texas gets to stay at home and uh, the other team doesn't. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later um, in, in, in what's going on there. But uh, I agree that this was a, this was a good weekend um, all in all. I think they got exactly what they needed out of it. They, they have all of their goals still at play. Goal one was to host a regional. They're hosting a regional. So that's uh, they are probably took the longest, most circuitous route to get here. But 
in the end, after you know finishing the season on a five zero win streak and then um, having a a good run through the tournament, winning uh, winning a couple over some you know really good postseason teams, right, including two over another host, right, over Oklahoma State, um, they got some good postseason baseball, a good taste for it. They got some different arms out there. Some excelled, some not so much, um, but they you know they they ultimately tightened the belt, bucked up, and and took down some tough teams. Um, and I thought, you know, the, the starting with the 4-0 win, you saw what Pete can do against any team in the country, and you're going to see that in the postseason uh, against Oklahoma State. You saw, um, again, in in Gordon, both Pete and Gordon went over seven innings, um, over 100 pitches in the first two uh, games because those were kind of must wins. That's where you're really looking at your seating in Texas with their starting pitchers, and both of those were absolutely electric, like, Omaha type electric so um, that that looked good and then we were kind of curious to see what the rest of the arms did all weekend they had a loss uh, in the first so Oklahoma State rubber match they beat them nine to two after that um, and then ultimately uh, found themselves against Oklahoma and like Gerald said didn't pitch the ace um, threw a lot of arms five pitchers in that Oklahoma State win um, in the notable item of course Gerald in the loss uh to OU uh, in the Big 12 Tournament Championship was uh, Texas got up early, one to nothing. And that was on Ivan Melendez's home run. That's that's the, the big news, or the per, perhaps the biggest news out of Sunday, because that game was not much to write home about. Texas kind of did the whole pitching by committee on uh, Sunday to come away with that loss. But yeah, Ivan Melendez, 29th on the year. Honestly, with Texas hosting, I kind of wish that he hadn't just saved that one for for this next weekend and broke it at home. But it's fine. Glad that he glad that he put it over the wall. And, and it feels like it's good to get that out of the way, right? You don't want that hanging over you as you go into the postseason. You want to just focus on stepping up to the plate and p- playing your best baseball. Uh, so again, got a got a text from Kyle Russell because uh, you know real recognize real and, and Ivan Melendez is looking real familiar. I've got I've got Sooners in my family. I was with some of them uh, for this holiday weekend, and uh, they were talking about how impressed they were with Ivan Melendez. Like, dude can just rake, and that's absolutely the best way to describe uh, the Titanic. So, like, it, it was a... It, and again, we talked about it going into the last week of the regular season. Texas had to go undefeated in that last week. Texas had to put up a good showing in the Big 12 tournament, and the fact that the regional hosts were decided before the big 12 tournament title game was played. Texas probably still right. would have hosted a regional because they looked at, they ended up with the number nine seed nationally. So they had a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of room to fall uh, after that win. So it seems like either way, Texas would have hosted a regional based upon the performance they put together. And really the big 12's weird decision to play the championship game that late on Sunday probably cost the conference a third host. I feel equally as bad for OU um, not getting to host as I do for AM not getting to participate in the NCAA basketball um, postseason tournament. Uh, the the or I guess the the one that people watch. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry OU. Uh, but no, I, look right. I, you have to schedule tough. You have to play all season, right? I'll just say that, and 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 I'll leave it at that. And then I may talk a little bit more about that as a preview in my bang the drum. But um, ultimately, they have the, the number nine seed nationally, so there is that little bit of like, what if could they have been hosting both the regional and super regional, assuming they they are able to win? But I, I actually like the way that they have a tough regional. I like their uh, their super regional if they're able to get through better. Um, it, it's an interesting. They're paired up with the Greenville regionals hosted by 
the eight seed East Carolina, who East Carolina is very hot. They deserved it. I think they're on like double digit straight wins. So they, they deserve that one. Um, Virginia though, I wouldn't count out getting a win in that one. Coastal Carolina also has been good lately. Um, Virginia was very good early. Uh, Coppin State I, I, I'm, is the fourth seed in there. So one of those uh, will basically come out uh, to play the winner of uh, this regional. And in Texas is regional, right? It isn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. The, the number two seed is Louisiana Tech, who had a 42-19 and 19 record, finished the year number 33 in RPI. Dallas Baptist, um, who, again, was an RPI darling, right? That The, the fact that, you know, they're in tells you because they, they uh, didn't, do particularly great in their conference. Um, you know, they ended the season 34 and 22, not a particularly great record, but they had an incredible strength of schedule. They were at one point RPI number one in the beginning of the season. I mean, they, they were an RPI favorite, a metrics favorite. Uh, the computers really like Dallas Baptist. And again, they're, they're number 23 right now. So not an easy matchup, not something to sleep on. And then almost feels like it's kind of a Slap in the face. Air Force is the four <laughs> seed in this tournament. Now, Air Force is 107 RPI. They have one quality win all year. But if you remember, folks, that quality win was Texas. So um, <laughs> an interesting one. Not an easy by any means, but there were some really tough and kind of maybe even more loaded matchups for some other teams. So I, I, all in all, I think an okay uh, draw, especially if you pair it with the Super Regional, which I think, you know, the eight teams in play for them. Uh, I feel pretty confident, pretty match up pretty well um, with any of those seven. Um, across either of the two to ultimately get through regional and then super regional. So um, about as good as you probably could have hoped for from where the team was, you know, let's call it two weeks ago, right? Uh, so ultimately, great, great uh, finish to the to the home stretch as we head into big time baseball. I know that that Air Force game, like when you look at the like from the surface, 14-2 is like an absolutely embarrassing win. But when you take into account that Texas pitched seven pitchers, you got you've got Eckert, you've got Harrison, LeBaron Johnson, Duplantier, Blair, Coy Cobb, and Zane Morehouse. Like those seven guys, I don't anticipate any of those guys seeing the field. Um, Morehouse is is probably the one. Yeah. And and I feel I feel good if Zane Zane's your guy. Maybe Coy <laughs> comes in for a couple innings somewhere across these regions. Regional, super regional. We'll see. Don't I don't anticipate seeing any of them uh, playing major innings for uh, for Texas in in the postseason at all. But uh, so yeah, like that's the thing is like that was in the middle of Texas still trying to figure out who its guy was and those mid midweek midweek games before Lucas Gordon kind of put a stranglehold on that third starter spot. And so Texas, it seems like um, has an opportunity to go on a bit of a run. And that that Greenville regional is is pretty scary salty at some times. I think East Carolina is a great team. I think Virginia is a great team. Uh, Coastal Carolina will, will, will creep up on you, but you know, Texas has an opportunity again to go on a run um, and put themselves right back in Omaha. Like you said off the top, Kyle, the the goals that Texas had for this season are still right there in front of them. And they are not the juggernaut that we thought they were going to be, you know, back in February or whatever, but as it stands right now, it's a new season. It's a whole new season, and when you, if you get out of the regional, then you don't have to really um, worry about that third pitcher uh, in the Supers, which is nice. You, you can just win two and move on. So um, the goals that Texas has, again, are still ahead of them, and it took a winding path to get there, but they're there. Well, and, and again, to go back to the tournament, you saw three Texas players were, uh, were named to the tournament team. Uh, Melendez didn't get – enough pitches to hit I don't think to, to make it but uh, uh, Pete Hansen was one of those and I, I think what you see is 
with the bats that Texas has, with the defense that Texas has, with the ability to go deep that Pete Hansen has shown, when Pete Hansen is pitching for the Texas Longhorns, they are as good as any team in college baseball, and that, that's Tennessee included, right? Pete Hansen has pitched for the Texas Longhorns to a victory over Tennessee. Like that, when he, when your ace is throwing and your team is hitting, that is as good a team as any in the country, point blank periods, full stop. Um, so, you know, now it's just a matter of, how many times do you get the right matchup with with Gordon or Hanson out there, and and um, you know can you weather the other arms and weather the rest of the storm? It's an imperfect team, uh, but incredibly high upside team. So sometimes those are the ones that that are get hot and are more fun. And you know if the bats are working in Omaha, which is not an easy easy stadium to hit in, but if the bats are working. Um, you know, and they get through regional, super regional. There's, there's, there's no reason that there is not a way. Uh, it's not the, the most heart uh, appropriate, but there is not a way that this team does the things that they, you know, they wanted to. Again, a lot of things have to go their way. They have to get some things figured out. They have to be tight uh, with whatever pitchers are. Defense has to bail them out. Like they got to do some of those things. Uh, have to limit the walks. There, there are things, but boy. Um, we're in a much better spot to do all those things uh, than we probably were just a couple, a few short weeks ago. So Texas heads in this weekend, double elimination regional opens it up with air force at 1 PM on Friday. They will then uh, play either Louisiana tech or Dallas Baptist on Saturday. They could, again, depending on how things shake out, any team could close it out in that final game on Sunday, but could extend into Monday and we'll know more as we come to you next week. So let's jump into this national championship roundup. Kyle, Texas brought home some team and individual hardware, and we'll start with the wire-to-wire undisputed national championship. Texas Rowing won its second consecutive national title, the third national title for the school on the season with a couple of more potentially pending following the men's indoor and women's tennis number one team all year solidified it with a massive victory over Stanford. And again, when you talk about the director's cup beating a head, to, beating Stanford head to head in any of these things uh, bodes well for the end of the year tally. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. And for the second straight year, head-to-head with Stanford was uh, was the deciding factor in rowing as well, right? For this has been very interesting. For the second year in a row, Texas has won a national championship. For the second year in a row, Texas and Stanford have tied for the the top points uh, at the national championship meet, and the deciding uh, race has been the varsity eight, right? So uh, Texas uh, was coming into it, and it knew that it had to beat a couple different teams, um, but it at least had to finish one place ahead of Stanford. If they did that, they would win. They did finish one one place ahead of Stanford, but they finished fifteen seconds ahead (laughs) of Stanford. It you know it was it was tense for about the first I don't know let's call it six paddles of the race and they just pulled ahead and just never looked back i mean those are nice right you don't need to be worried if you're the coach or you're in the boat or you're watching uh as a a fan out out on the uh, on the shore uh they they quickly made it clear that they were won that and again by default of the tiebreaker of winning the first varsity eight for the second year in a row uh they won a national championship so uh incredible congratulations to that team to coach o'neill who who basically you know has has we we've talked about it before but has just got this team immediately top eight when he gets here and just shaves off numbers every year and has never 
never gone down in his finishes. He had a top four finish, a top two finish, uh, and now back-to-back top one finishes. So I don't know how you get better. I guess you'll just be one forever. Um, But he (laughs) has never gone down in his finishes since coming to the University of Texas, including back-to-back national titles. I mean, he gets better by increasing that margin of victory at some point, right? Like they're gonna have they're gonna have to check these ladies for PEDs or like check the back of the boat for a motor at some point. It's getting that <laughs> dominant. But Texas absolutely crushes in the rowing national championship again, third on the year with more in the hopper for Texas. On the individual side, we talked about the women's tennis national championship uh, last week. And again, so apologies to that team for only getting a week's stay. Take that up with your uh, <laughs> friends on the rowing team. But Texas wasn't done on the courts. Texas won not one, but two national championships on the air quotes individual side, though. Can you call the a doubles when it's, it's technically not a team championship, but it is two people playing for it. Anywho, Richard Ciamara and Cleo A Parker, pair of individuals. Pair individuals, of individuals combined. They got one smaller trophy, or two smaller trophies <laughs> rather than one large <laughs> one. Can we combine those and trade them up? No, anywho, Richard Ciamara and Cleve Harper won in dramatic fashion after battling back, dropped the first set 7-5, to five, won the second 6-4, to four, and then won a 7-point tiebreaker to get Texas it's seventh men's doubles title in school history. Yeah, just the second in, in uh, modernity here. So very, uh, very exciting on the men's side to uh, get a championship. You knew that women's team was was so good, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Obviously, they're, they're the reigning champions, and uh, you love seeing because both the tournaments were happening in the same place at the same time, that the biggest cheerleaders for that women's team uh, in the national championship game were the men's uh, players who, who were there celebrating with them, cheering them on. You just love to see that uh, camaraderie, but you love, I mean, as much, uh, if not more, to see now you have winners on the men's side and see how they're able to, uh, how they're able to take this uh, into next season, the momentum that you get from this, but um, beat a really, really good uh, pairing from Ohio State, uh, Matej Vosel and, and Robert Cash. So, so, uh, you know, incredible for, for uh, Ricky. I think I have heard him called Dick Chimara <laughs> and our boy Cleve. Uh, just always one of the most emotional guys on the team. Uh, very excited for uh, Texas. Both has a pair of national championships as well as a guy named Cleve Harper came to the <laughs> University of Texas and gets to be a national championship. That is poetry. I don't know if the name Cleve has ever been printed on a diploma from the University of Texas, but I'm excited for it to happen. Not to be outdone, sophomore phenom Peyton Stearns beats Connie Ma of Stanford, suck at trees, to win the Women's Singles National Championship in a relatively dominating fashion. After being tied 3-3 in the opening set, rallied to win that one 6-3, and then cruised to a relatively easy win in the second set 6 to two. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Stearns was dominant all year. Reminder, this, this is the feature right here, right? This was, you say, oh, wow, Stearns won it as a, as a sophomore. Well, she played Connie Ma, who's a freshman. I mean, you, you just see, it's kind of like we, we, we've seen in golf, right? These 18-year-olds are no less ready than a 22-year-old to win it all. It's really incredible uh, to see. Stearns has never not won a team national champion since she's been in college, which is wild. Um, but now she gets to add the individual trophy. She's the first woman to win singles and teams since Nicole Gibbs in 2013. I think fifth women, uh, woman in the past 22 years to get the uh, the, the, the clean sweep, the uh, the double-double if you will, the uh, team and individual uh, championship. So just Peyton Stearns is just an unbelievable talent. Someone you'll see playing professionally uh, for a long time. Um, just 
I mean, we've reveled all year. I think this, uh, her singles, if you count this tournament, is something like 30-2 and two, uh, on the year or greater than that. Even just she's been so good all year and in doubles, honestly, for Texas and, and um, is enjoying the season of a lifetime. Keep up the good work, Peyton. And that's the part of the show where we whip around all the rest of the fun stuff happening on campus and we down the 40. It, it looked dicey early on for the softball team, but um, they figured out how to deal with feral hogs. And that's Haley Dolcini <laughs> in the circle on Friday and freshman phenom Sophia Simpson in the circle on Saturday to come away with a 2-1 win, beating Arkansas on its home diamond to advance out of the Super Regional and to the College World Series. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was their first College World Series since 2013, first for Coach White since he's been here. Just exciting uh, for this team to take that next step and to do it in the dramatic fashion that they did, right? it's uh, They felt there was a chip on their shoulder because they thought they should have been hosting and the kind of metrics and polls would have told you that that was the case. So they went to Washington with a chip on their shoulder and, and won in Washington. And they went to Arkansas with a chip on their shoulder and, and some admittedly rabid fans, right? We saw the football team get shaken by a rabid Arkansas. They, they're loyal fans. And they're also especially uh, ginned up when Texas comes showing all their teeth and showing off, um, you know, and, and they uh, they made it tough. But I think there was a stat when Texas won its first game of the postseason uh, with a with a shutout that something like 48 out of their 63 all time tournament wins had been shutouts. Right. Um, I think we talked about it last week's podcast. Uh, they uh, they typically win in the postseason with pitching when they have elite pitching think your cat osterman level mm -hmm. they that's when they make runs and so we said all right Haley dolcini no pressure uh but you were brought in to be the ace and good god did she just i mean as a one-year longhorn she is gonna make some memories and, and be a name that people talk about for years because just so unbelievably gutsy is through 535 pitches in an eight uh, day span um, basically had four scoreless uh, in that game one and then you know gave up three runs in the bottom of the fifth you could have could have at your you're already tired you're already hurting you're already at your end when that happens you could have you know not blamed her if she didn't want to go back out but shit they're dragging me off on Friday uh, and and she did she went out and threw an absolute gem seven innings five hits one earned run just you know really really incredible um, gutsy performance to to stave off elimination and then enough cannot be said uh, for the Saturday performance uh, when freshman Sophia Simpson from Barbers Hill, who was a really touted high school state champion, elite, uh, you know, amateur player, came in and pitched the game of her life with seven innings, five hits, seven Ks. Some great defense in that one. Janae Jefferson had a ESPN top uh, top 10 sports center catch. They had a play at the plate. Uh, I thought Mary Iacopo was great. I just thought ultimately this team battled their freaking tails off uh, to get out of that packed house there showed people in the houses surrounding the stadium on the roofs watching the game i mean it was it was an intense atmosphere and for them to come out of that and then gerald if you like the idea of the underdog and the chip on the shoulder and i think this texas team really really does mm -hmm. uh every other college world series participant got hats and had an ncaa supplied sign that was shaped like a ticket that said punched your ticket uh and they did not have one for texas uh literally no cap uh they did not have uh the hats made up and i think based on the texas player social media reaction that they they're feeling a big giant sized uh chip on their shoulder which i think actually is scary for the rest of collegiate softball 
it feels like a win for Texas to have even more of a chip. Like I didn't think the chip could could grow after the regional kind of snub, and I think the chip is going to continue to grow, and I love it. And like you said, um, if you've got Haley Dolcini in the circle, you've got a chance. And now we, I feel like we can say the same thing about Sophia Simpson. Like she, and I think the most impressive part about her performance on on Saturday was the the bottom of the seventh. Like it was, she clearly was Mm -hmm. the moment felt really big. You could tell for the first couple of at bats, you got runners on the corners, one out, and then she just pitches, pitches enough, puts the balls in the right spots for the batters to, you know, put the balls in play for um, her infielders and and gets the win. And you could tell she was feeling it. And like that to me, if you've got, Mm -hmm. again, what like softball is a pitcher's game. If you've got one pitcher that's feeling it, like Haley Dolcini is clearly right now. You're great. If you got two, mm-hmm. you can make a run. And I think Texas is in a position to do that. And and it's a tough, tough field. Texas has to play UCLA, who beat them early in the year. That was a tight one. That, again, one could probably come down to pitching. But when you make it to Oklahoma City, survive in advance. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. And when you've got two pitchers that are pitching like these two ladies are, you've got a shot. And Texas has two players with a never-say-die attitude, right? Queen Mary, Mary Iacopo in her final year, and then a true, I think, Longhorn all-time Rushmore player in Janae Jefferson. Who Retire her number is, already. I mean, legitimately, truly, but this will be her last uh, chance to, to wear the Longhorn uniform. She's been drafted uh, the Athletes Unlimited and will go on with the rest of her career in life. But, I mean, she's been a Longhorn forever and has been dominant. It'll be a four-time national or uh, All-American. Um, and you saw that she had the 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 sports center top play catch where she went over her shoulder running back diving you know in that in the uh sixth inning and then opens up uh in in the uh the horns half of that inning doubling off the wall and was the, the first run scored uh that they, they got that rally um uh, caitlin washington and mary iacopo both drove in runs um that, that gave them the 3-0 lead and so you know you saw that good pitching good defense behind that pitching led to the offense that they needed. They were able to string it together. And Texas is a team that likes the momentum. They ride that momentum. Um, and so you have people on this team who are, who are just not going to give up, never say die. I don't care what the, uh, what the numbers next to the team's name say, uh, you know, UCLA, whoever is the uh, opponent, no one wants to see Texas right now. Keeping it championship. The men's golf team finished the stroke play at number four in the NCAA tournament, uh, thanks in part to the efforts of Parker Cootie, who finished uh, tied for first but lost in the playoff holes. Texas was the only team under par on Monday. Uh, that was a tough course, and, and Texas finally found its rhythm on uh, on Monday and managed to make it into the top eight. Now they're in the match play tournament, and again, survive in advance. Yeah, they were they were seventh um, coming into the final day, and they were quite a few strokes from the ninth place team. Like it would have had to be a bad day. There was a very clear top seven, and then everybody else, even the eighth place teams, were kind of fighting for a spot well below where Texas was. Um, but I did get a I did get a text uh, from at least one, uh, I think three different Longhorn fans who were uh, saying is there a chance we blow this? Should I even turn this on today? It's on the golf channel. Am I going to be mad? And I was like, it's Memorial day. You choose how you spend your time, whether it's with <laughs> family or not. But I don't, I think it's, it's, it's more likely that Texas moves up two spots than moves down. And I felt 
you know, I, I undersold it because they went from seven all the way up uh, three spots to number uh, to number four. And I think, you know, it's good to have the momentum, right? The seven strokes better than the next team. Um, good to have that momentum in the last day heading into match play where, you know, a fields coach team is always dangerous in match play. They won the Big 12 match play earlier in the year. It looks like both Cooties, um, you know, Parker and Pearson looking great. Actually, both Cooties, Cole Hammer and juniors, Mason Noman, Travis Vick, all named to the uh, paying all region teams. So, I mean, they're, they're, I, it was really good to have this on the last day, and they will head in with some good momentum. Uh, Vanderbilt will as well, and I, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, North Carolina, there's some really good teams at the top. But uh, Texas, you know, to have the low score on the last day, never a bad thing. The Big 12 actually has three teams in the field of eight. Texas matches up with Oklahoma State in the match play uh, championship in the 4-5 matchup, potentially setting up a semifinal matchup with Texas Tech, who just made the cut playing uh, the 1-8 matchup. So Texas has an opportunity to beat not one but two Big 12 teams on its march, potentially through the match play championship and on to a national championship continuing their run at a national championship the dual number one men and women's track team have a cumulative 25 qualifiers heading to the national championship we've got both uh, texas has four four for four on the relay teams the four by one and the four by four for both the men and the ladies qualified on top of multiple individual uh, qualifications for members of both of those relay teams and a couple of field events to boot. Yeah, it looks like they have uh, stacked fields in both, and that's what you want. It's a points game. Just get the most people, the most bodies to finish. Higher you finish, you don't have to win. You just got to finish, score those points. Uh, if you win, that's Lanyap. Uh, you know, some chance for a lot of these players, uh, excuse me, I guess athletes, uh, to become national champions as well as All-Americans. So a lot still on the bone for the uh, indoor national champion and indoor runner-up for now the number one men, number one women, looking to get three out of the four titles if they can uh, they can make it happen uh, at the NCAA championship. You said that these people don't have to win, they just have to place, but I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, Texas put up like multiple program records in the qualifiers, so it's likely <laughs> that they're probably going to win and place, which again, the smaller the number next to your name at the end of the track meet individually, the smaller the number your team has next to its name at the end of the track meet. And Texas, again, has an opportunity to add a couple of national championships on. And the kind of final quick hitter news, it's move-in day for the class of 2022, both on the football and basketball court. So you've got you've got the likes of Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell, Brennan Thompson, the list goes on and on for the football players. Arterio Morris. On mm-hmm. campus, finally, praise Aluya, whoever you choose to praise. Kyle, of all the people moving in on campus, who are you most excited to see? Uh, like I said, Gerald, I mean, this is athletes all across the 40. This is the women's basketball team. This is this is athletes uh, top and bottom. I mean, I remember moving in to San Jacinto, the feeling, the excitement. You know, I, I get where these where these kids are sitting at. Um, I had social media teams also following me <laughs> uh, with my check-in. No, I did not. It's a big deal. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I there's like a very easy answer is the two bigs. Like, I want to see Campbell and Banks, and they both looked, you know, uh, appropriately and delightfully large. Uh, <laughs> as not they, too large. Manage the yeah, right. Yeah, that's 
That's right. They didn't look overweight, but they looked like enormous big humans who could push people around in a couple months, which is good. Uh, you know, as they ducked and, and, and slouched to get through the double doors of uh, their dormitory. Um, you know, those are good things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that, that seems like the very obvious answer. And I could go a little deeper because there's some really, really good players. And we talked about it in this class. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think we are going to need one or both of them. I don't think it's a secret to to come in and. Uh, push people around in these uh, these coming summer practices and, and secure a spot and and you know it's hard for a freshman lineman to do that but show that nasty but also you know know your position and know your assignments and know what you're supposed to do and if they can come in and at least be 70 percent of what they will be at the finished product maybe next year maybe the year after you know as they have a little bit of coaching a little bit of uh, college weight on them and they're they're a little bit more finished for the next level um you know it, but but Time is not a luxury at that position, and so <laughs> selfishly, I want to see the bigs. And there's a couple bigs, right? It's not just those two. There's there's multiple other linemen is arriving, but those big five stars have a lot of expectation. And I think uh, one of the freshmen will need to to step up and take at least one uh, of those uh, line positions, and then I'll feel great uh, about where we're at. You heard it here first. Kyle likes it when you show the nasty. No, Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks will probably be starters uh, before the season is out. Jamon Tap on the uh, defensive side. Mm. One, I think the Texas team needs more gold fronts. Uh, I think that's probably been a missing piece on the defense. It's just that that swagger and attitude. Um, I'm also excited. Dylan Mitchell moved in today as well. Like he did. Be excited. Dylan Mitchell, Ontario Morris, officially on campus. Hopefully, they uh, are a big boon for Chris Beard and his uh, his basketball hopes. Dylan Mitchell is one of the coolest. Like he was so great when we got him, and he just has had this impeccable offseason and camp run and he actually looks taller and leaner as he was moving in he might be six eight now i don't know if if, if he really stands up tall he might be six nine now i think he's six seven typically uh, is what he was expected to come in at and some folks were saying he looked even taller uh, as he gets on campus but uh, yeah i think i think mitchell is a guy who's going to play a lot and instantly uh for the longhorns and or tara morris you know just you you have two incredible players right there and we're just talking two sports again there was there was potentially some, you know, uh, some professional athletes across multiples of sports that moved in today into the 40 acres and started their career. They're 18 year olds. They're, there's a twinkle in their eye right now, and they, you know, have their whole career ahead of them. But the, we we don't even know. And it's funny to think about the butterfly uh, effect. But there may have been multiple professionals uh, across all kinds of sports who moved in today and started their journey uh, for the Longhorn Nation. And now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So I, I mentioned to Gerald uh, that I hinted at it earlier when we were talking baseball, but um, you saw that there was Texas was fifth, right, in, in the regular season Big 12 standings, and, and the commentators uh, throughout this tournament who maybe didn't cover Big 12 baseball all year long were a little bit surprised and I think uh, the one especially colorful commentator who you know tried out every acronym in the book um, his uh, you know like a like a bonefish in a pumpkin aquarium was how he described someone carving them up oh slip slip sliding like a greased up terrier I it, yeah anyways um, he, he his actually I believe it was the the very patient color commentator who had to hear all that who who mentioned you know what if you're dropped on this planet and you've never watched college baseball and you say this is the fifth 
best team in the Big 12 when you watch uh, UT. But clearly there were some very good teams and a Kansas State team that, you know, made a run and almost played uh, before they lost to OU one game before the Big 12 championship. And they were at one point considered the bottom of the barrel, right? And and, and uh, a TCU team that won and an Oklahoma State team that, you know, has national aspirations and a Texas Tech team who's beat people real bad um, and UT. And right now OU, as much as I don't want to give them credit, is likely, probably, the hottest team in the country. They are, that is who they are heading into the postseason, which I hate. Um, but they're going to give someone an absolute fit uh, to be their number two. TCU is going to be the number two uh, for uh, the A&M region, a, a slosh bowl, a, a rematch for Coach Schlossnagel, who uh, left TCU to head to A&M. So I'm sure the fans will be uh, thrilled with that. Uh, and it would be very <laughs> nice uh, to him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it came down to it. There was four real schools that had a shot, right? I think TCU, OU are on the outside looking in, as I mentioned. Oklahoma State and Texas are playing host. And ultimately, it comes down to the fact of you have to know how to play the game and you have to know. Coach Pierce has really got a knack. Last year when they were so good uh, throughout the regular season and it did not matter what happened in the Big 12 tournament, he didn't really seem like he needed to show up to the Big 12 tournament. He will use that tournament for as much. But what you saw is that this year it was important. And so they did make their run and they are hosting. Ultimately, the goal is to host a regional, right? That is what the whole season is about. That's what the crazy, you know, stretch in the beginning of the season when they were gone for what seemed like 65 straight days and they played all through spring break. And it was tough. Honestly, they had bad results. Um, but you learn from that. You grow from that. And it honestly helps your RPI. But they played tough teams out of conference. Big 12 was a good team a good conference this year so that helped as well uh you know they play some neutral site games all of those things matter ultimately in the the rpi soup right at the end of the day rpi is not the only factor but it is one of the biggest factors and so texas and ou are hosting a regional and ou is not and ou fans are very very mad and they very likely might have been the last ones on the outside looking in they very likely may have won at too late of an hour in the Big 12 championship to to ultimately be hosting. But also, Gerald, Oklahoma is going to Oklahoma. Like, at the end of the day, bless their hearts, Oklahoma is going to be the Sooners. And some of the anguish uh, per Kendall Rogers, um, D1 Baseball's Kendall Rogers, um, is self-inflicted. OU, for some reason, labeled its neutral site series against Texas as a home series once they moved it to Globe Life Field from uh, the the confines of Norman, Oklahoma. If they would have labeled them that a neutral site game, they probably would have they probably cost themselves four to five spots in the RPI by a clerical error. So. While it is sweet to to chuckle and point at uh, at Oklahoma getting jobbed. They also jobbed themselves. And, and, and folks, let me tell you, that's even sweeter. There's a lot to unpack there, Kyle. And I made the, the comment earlier, the Big 12 deserves to not have three teams hosting because they decided to play the championship game at a stupid time. But also, again, it's wild to me that the games don't really seem to matter as much because of the way that the RPI calculates some things. And like... You know, we talked a lot of crap about teams in Maroon canceling midweek games to protect their RPI, but like, 
strategically they probably made the right decision but i don't necessarily think it's the way that the sport should go and now i sound like an old saying that but like overweighting the rpi i mean it's it's just weird to me but again again it benefited texas so i'm fine with it but i don't think um it's just fun to me that the NCAA continues to have weird and dumb and arbitrary ways that it uh, adjudicates these things. So I'm banging the drum this week on something that's not remotely Texas related as it stands right now. But Nick Saban was tangentially back in the news this week. If you don't follow uh, HBCU football, uh, what's wrong with you? No. So the athletic director and head football coach at Tuskegee University in Alabama, uh, Reginald Ruffin, which one great name, but two uh, made the comments this week, basically calling out Alabama for not playing in-state teams and specifically saying that teams like Alabama, uh, if you're going to play some buy buy games and some money games against lesser opponents, why not use that as an opportunity to inject money into some local programs that need the help? It went sideways on him really fast because Alabama fans get, get sent death threats his way immediately following that, which again, Alabama fans are going to Alabama. But I don't necessarily know if he's like super far off base. Like if you're going to play a, a team that you're going to pay a million, a million and a half dollars to come and get their brains kicked in, why not keep it in state? That's something that I really applauded the University of Texas for doing. You always see a team like UTSA or UTEP on the schedule, which UTSA may be a bear this next year. Didn't anticipate that when you scheduled it. But there, it always seems like there's an opportunity for you to do, and, and this sounds terrible, but inject some funds into some athletic programs that necessarily need it. You know, you've got local programs that Texas, I think, I would love to see some HBCUs on Texas's schedule. I think it would you know, add some uh, needed other perspectives to what Texas is doing. And who doesn't love an HBCU band? Now, granted, um, it's, it's, you don't want your, uh, you don't want the University of Texas band getting shown up by a smaller and less funded band, but that's the risk you take when you schedule some HBCUs to go and put on a show. Um, but when push comes to shove, if it's going to be a million and a half of state money, why not inject it into some other programs and some other universities that could really use it and put it to good use? I can't disagree with you. I still remember where I was the first time I saw the Texas Southern Band. Uh, my brother was playing at Texas State at the time, and they played TSU. And I, I it was halftime, and I always like to go uh, either snack downstairs or head back out to the tailgate and grab some food at halftime. And I just remember someone grabbed my arm and said, nope, sit. Uh, and I watched... <laughs> The Texas Southern Band, and, and it was my first taste of HBCU uh, halftime fair where the game actually kicks off. No, I, I, HBCU football is getting better by the day, um, but you, you'll never beat an HBCU band. Um, but yeah, Gerald, I think you're spot on. I think keeping uh, keeping it local is not it's not wrong. It makes sense. Um, but yeah, you know, Nick Saban, as as we know, is God, so you can't argue with can't argue with with college football God unless your name is Jimbo. All I'm saying is that there's another little game that gets played at the Cotton Bowl uh, during the State Fair, Prairie View and Grambling. That one yep. is always fun. If you don't want to deal, if you want the Cotton Bowl State Fair football experience, but don't want to or can't afford the tickets to the uh, Texas OU game, that Prairie View Grambling game is always a good time. Uh, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Texas is a spring sports school. Hook